Well, hello and God bless you. Welcome to BlendCouragesYou.com, where we are here with the word of the Lord to help you stay on the wall for the Lord. My name is Blend, and I certainly do count it a privilege and an honor to be with you on the 13th episode of our podcast. Well, today we are going to continue our study entitled The Call According to His Purpose, where we're going to take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We are taking a look at a royal priesthood and how that applies to us. So go ahead, get your Bibles, get your notebook, something to write with, a snack, and settle in. Blend Courages You is coming to you with the call according to his purpose. Coming up next. All right, family. Well, welcome once again to the call according to his purpose. We are in part four this week, part four. So we are going to do a bit of a recap as per usual, just to see what we've been talking about over the past few times that we've been together. I want to just take a quick detour and address those who are here for the very first time. This is your first podcast. So if you are getting into this series, The Called According to His Purpose, what you may want to do is to listen to The Called According to His Purpose, parts one, two, and three in sequential order, and then come on back here to part four. So if you have time to do that, you can do this in a couple of different ways. Uh, you can go out to the blendcouragesyou.com site, go under series and studies, and take a look there for the call according to his purpose, parts one, two, and three. On the blendcouragesyou.com site, you have the podcast as well as the transcript notes. If you are listening with Stitcher Radio or iTunes, not to worry, just head on back out to the listing and you'll see the call according to his purpose all numbered there and ready for you so that you are able to listen to the word of God, be educated about what we're supposed to be doing, be empowered through his word, and then come on back and listen to part four and get even more encouragement. Amen? Amen. All right. So listen, you know, this week as I was listening to the news and thinking about some of the unholy alliances that have been going on and how folks are calling the things that are right wrong and the things that are wrong right and just my own personal trials. And you've probably experienced this too and think this as well. Now more than ever, we really need to know the word of God, and we all should purpose in our hearts to get and to stay grounded, meaning attached to the foundation. And you know that foundation is Jesus. So we need to get and stay grounded and also be rooted like a tree planted by the water, water nourished and strong. And we do that by knowing who God says we are so we can stay upright when the storms of life and the winds of adversity blow, and it will happen, we want to stay upright with the help of the Lord. So when we were together before, we talked about Romans chapter 8 and who God says we are there. For example, we are no longer condemned. We are heirs and joint heirs of Christ. We do suffer, yet we are the called according to his purpose. 
We also looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and we covered a chosen generation. And we know that God calls us chosen. We looked at a few people who God called chosen, and that person, one of those persons rather, would be Naomi, who God chose and used to lead Ruth to Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth subsequently became the great-great-grandparents of King David and were named in the lineage of Christ. And you can check that out in the book of Ruth, and you can check out that lineage in Matthew chapter 1. God also calls us equipped. And last time we were together, we looked at Moses, who was a palace kid, killed someone, and was a fugitive at one point in his life in Exodus chapter 2. Yet God called him to lead the Israelites out of bondage. Now, for those of you who are more behind the scenes, folks, you would have seen this information in the Called According to His Purpose, Part 3, in the notes. There were a couple of bonus people there for the background. I'll talk about it here today really briefly. Exodus chapter 1 used two wonderful women to help keep the Israelites alive, the Israelite babies. So these two midwives were named Shipra and Pua. And they were instructed by the Egyptian king to kill all male Israelite babies after they were delivered. The women disobeyed the king's orders and were duly rewarded. These women, who you probably never or very rarely hear preached or talked about, they were called and chosen according to God's purpose. The bottom line here is, no matter what God calls you to do, whether it's in front or behind the scenes, it is all important. It's not always easy, pleasant, without tears and sometimes some hurt, but it is important because you are called according to his purpose. So looking at our scripture lesson, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we covered a chosen generation last time we we're together. Now let's take a look at a royal priesthood. So this stems back, everybody, to Exodus chapter 19, after the Israelites left Egypt and were camped in the wilderness. After talking with God, Moses was to tell them what God said. And God said, you've seen what I've done to the Egyptians and how I brought you out on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak until the children of Israel. And that account is in Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. 
So this really should resonate with us as we're reading this because did not God bring us out of our bondage to sin? Did we not groan with the heavy burden, with the hard taskmaster of what our formal sinful lives were like? Were we not slaves to sin? Were we not entangled? Were we tired of the party and being broken and feeling empty and burdened? And did God not, my God, my God, did God not bring us out on eagle's wings to himself as we went to the altar to repent, to be baptized? We went to the water to be baptized in Jesus' name, and we were filled with the Holy Ghost according to Acts 238. And speaking of those eagle's wings, eagles can carry quite the load. Did you know that? They protect their young and they have powerful wings that glide swiftly. This demonstrates God's power and his strength, everybody. He delivered us. He redeemed us. He chose us. He called us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You are called and you are chosen. All right, so this kingdom of priests and royal priesthood, we've read about this twice in Exodus chapter 19 and in 1 Peter chapter 2. So typically what we hear in Christian circles is we sort of shorten this and we call ourselves king's kids or children of the king. And that is very true. The word does outline that. What tends to happen from time to time when we use king's kid in a statement, we use that with a sense of entitlement in the natural sense. So what we equate being a king's kid is to is having a prosperity, sitting on a pile of money, not having to wait in a line like everybody else because I'm a king's kid. Why should I have to wait in a line? Sometimes we can talk to, let's just say, servers at a restaurant in a way that is not pleasing to God. Oh, no, no. Take that food back. I can't eat that. I'm a king's kid. You all get what I'm talking about here. So listen, while God does take good care of his children, that does not entitle us to look down on anyone, get everything in this life discounted or free, we should never, ever treat the non-royalty or non-believers in a way that would make them feel uh, that they are less than who we are. And it also does not entitle us, this, this royalty or being a king's kid, to five earthly mansions and a yacht. It does not work that way. It does not work that way, family. This royalty that we are called to and we are chosen for, comes with responsibility. I'm going to say that again. This royalty that we are called to and that God chose us for comes with responsibility. Let's take a look at the word royal. One definition I found is it's the realm in which a king sovereignly rules. And that makes good sense because Christ rules in the believer's hearts. 
priests or a royal priesthood, if you will, or the order of priests is what Christians are called because we have access, direct access to God, and we no longer offer external sacrifices in terms of animals and things like that, but spiritual sacrifices. And we're going to talk about what that means coming up. Let's step back and look at the function of a priest. So a priest was an official who was set apart from the rest of the community in order to carry out certain duties associated with sacrifice and worship. While priests were mentioned throughout the Old Testament, the first organization and ordination of priests is laid out in Exodus chapters 28 and 29, where Aaron and his four sons were appointed by God to minister to him in the office of the priesthood. Exodus chapter 28 even outlines the exact garments the priest should wear, right down to the precious metals, stones, colors, lettering, measurements, materials, and all those types of things. Everything was exact. So let's see how this applies to us today. So God's priests were not just anyone who decided that they wanted to be a priest after studying up on it or coveting that particular position. Note, they were chosen by God for a reason. Also, the priests wore specific garments outlined by God down to the tiniest detail. So the thought here is, is that everyone knew who the priests were by what they wore. As a royal priesthood, we should be dressed in a certain way. So we are distinct and everyone knows who we are. Now, hold on, y'all. Hold on. I am not here to regulate wardrobes for us to go back to a cotton hosiery and three-piece suits for the men while you're going to an outdoor sporting event in July. No, we don't have to go there. We do want to distinguish ourselves with our modesty, and that goes for men as well as women. We want to be modest in the way that we are dressed. Oh, a little while back, probably about a month or so ago, I saw a video clip where a quote-unquote Christian celebrity was rebuked by an audience member for burying her chest on a magazine cover. The audience member was in turn rebuked by the celebrity's husband, saying that she could wear what she wants to wear in the name of Jesus. Yes. So while I'm not here, I'm going to leave that right there. And again, I'm not here to regulate what you should wear. With the grace of God guiding all of us, we don't want people to have to guess if we are saved or not based on our lack of clothing. We want to be sure that anything that would uh, distract from our witness is covered appropriately. Remember, God looks at the heart. Yes, he does. 
Man looks at the outside. Did you all catch that? I know that's a verse in Samuel. Man looks at the outside because they cannot look at the heart. They can't see your heart. So again, we don't want to distract from our witness. In addition to that, though, we just can't dress up the outside because we can make that look any way we want. We need to also do a check on what the insides look like. The Pharisees were dressed well, but Jesus said they were like white washed sepulchers or coffins that appeared beautiful on the outside, but inwardly were full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. And that's in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Anything that is dead on the inside like that stinks. It's got to smell and no one is drawn to that except for probably flies and vultures who pick off the carcasses. Yuck. So bottom line here is just like the priest, people should know who we are without us saying a word, except that we have Jesus down on the inside, you know, that shows up on the outside. Are we dressed up in the word of God? Is Jesus an inside job for us? God calls us distinct. So priests were also called to facilitate the different offerings for the people as a mediator between them and God. Remember at that time, you did not just approach God and give him your offering. In Leviticus chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, it outlines five of the main offerings that the people offered up to God and those offerings came with specific instructions and they had to be followed in a particular way. One of the most common offerings was the burnt or whole offering and that was usually a perfect bull or sheep or a goat and it was something that the offerer wanted to do. That livestock that was given was very valuable and it cost the offerer something, and it had to be burned completely. And you can read more about the burnt offering in Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. There was also the grain offering in Leviticus chapter 2, the peace offering in Leviticus chapter 3, the sin offering, Leviticus chapter 4, and finally the guilt offering in Leviticus chapter 5. So read all about it. It is fascinating uh, how the Lord had set up how these offerings should work and how they be had to be offered up to him. So the offerer once again had to give a perfect animal. It had to be prepared in a particular way and the priest had to offer it up in a specified way. So going to Leviticus chapter 9, and when you get a chance in your quiet time to read this chapter, you're really going to see how the Lord blessed here. Uh, Leviticus chapter 9, it outlines how the priests needed to offer up sin and burnt offerings to make atonement for themselves and for the people as the Lord prepared his people to see his glory. That's in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 6. 
And because they did exactly what God said, verses 22 and 23 records that the glory of the Lord appeared unto the people where the fire consumed the burnt offering and fat. And when the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Amen. Amen. So how does this apply to us today? First of all, we no longer need to offer up any animals for our sins. Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 that it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Every priest offering up the same sacrifices daily, it could never, ever do that. Never, ever cut it anymore. So Jesus Christ offered up his body once to sanctify all. And that's in Hebrews 10 and 10. Furthermore, Hebrews chapter 4 and 12 says Christ offered one sacrifice for sins forever. So that covers us, everybody. We no longer need the animals to do that job. Also, we no longer need a priest as a mediator. Recall that at that time, the priest was the go-between for the people and God offering-wise. Jesus did away with that by sacrificing his life. Ephesians chapter 2 and 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And Hebrews chapter 4 and 16 lets us to know that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. So God calls us directly to him. All right, BCU family, we've got to put a bookmark right here because it is time for us to wrap up this episode of our podcast. I trust that this word was as good to you as it was to me and also challenging, wasn't it? And you know what? That's what the word of God is designed to do. So the next time that we're together with the grace of God, we're going to continue looking at a royal priesthood and see what God has to say to us about what that responsibility entails. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. And until the next time, stay on the wall.